Welcome to the Terry Podcast, Tales from Near and Far, read to you by Pratam Data. A Child's History of England by Charles Dickens, read to you by Pratam Data. Chapter 6, Part 1. England under Harold Harefoot. Hardy Canyot and Edward the Confessor. Canyot left three sons by name, Sven, Harold and Hardy Canyot. But his queen Emma, once the flower of Normandy, was the mother of only Hardy Canyot. Canyot had wished his dominions to be divided between the three and had wished Harold to have England. But the Saxon people in the south of England, headed by a nobleman with great possessions, called the powerful Earl Godwin, who is said to have been originally a poor cowboy, opposed this, and desired to have instead either Hardy Canute or one of the two exiled princes who were over in Normandy. It seemed so certain that there would be more bloodshed to settle this dispute that many people left their homes and took refuge in the woods and swamps. Happily, however, it was agreed to refer the whole question to a great meeting at Oxford, which decided that Harold should have all the country north of the Thames, with London for his capital city, and that Hardy Canyon should have all the south. The quarrel was so arranged, and as Hardy Canute was in Denmark, troubling himself very little about anything but eating and getting drunk, his mother and Earl Godwin governed the South for him. They had hardly begun to do so, and the trembling people who had hidden themselves were scarcely at home again, when Edward, the elder of the two exiled princes, came over from Normandy with a few followers to claim the English throne. His mother Emma, however, who only cared for her last son Hardy Canute, instead of assisting him as he expected, opposed him so strongly with all her influence that he was very soon glad to get safely back. His brother Alfred was not so fortunate. Believing in an affectionate letter, written some time afterward to him and his brother, in his mother's name, but whether really with or without his mother's knowledge is now uncertain, he allowed himself to be tempted over to England, with a good force of soldiers, and landing on the Kentish coast, and being met and welcomed by Earl Godwin, proceeded into Surrey as far as the town of Kilford. Here, he and his men halted in the evening to rest, having still the Earl in their company, who had offered lodgings and good cheer for them. But in the dead of the night, when they were off their guard, being divided into small parties, sleeping soundly after a long march and a plentiful supper in different houses, 
they were set upon by the king's troops and taken prisoners. Next morning, they were drawn out in a line to the number of 600 men and were barbarously tortured and killed, with the exception of every tenth man who was sold into slavery. As to the wretched Prince Alfred, he was stripped naked, tied to a horse and sent away to the Isle of Ellie, where his eyes were torn out of his head and where in a few days he miserably died. I'm not sure that the Earl had willfully entrapped him, but I suspected strongly. Harold was now king all over England. Though it is doubtful whether the Archbishop of Canterbury, the greater part of the priests were Saxons and not friendly to the Danes, ever consented to crown him. Crowned or uncrowned, with the Archbishop's leave or without it, he was king for four years, after which short reign he died and was buried, having never done much in life but go a-hunting. He was such a fast runner at this, his favourite sport, that the people called him Harold Harefoot. Hardy Canute was then at Bruges, in Flanders, plotting with his mother, who had gone over there after the cruel murder of Prince Alfred for the invasion of England. The Danes and Saxons, finding themselves without a king and dreading new disputes, made common cause, and joined in inviting him to occupy the throne. He consented and soon troubled them enough, for he brought over a number of Danes and taxed the people so insupportably to enrich these greedy favourites that there were many insurrections, especially one at Worcester, where the citizens rose and killed his tax collectors, in revenge for which he burned their city. He was a brutal king whose first public act was to order the dead body of poor Harold Harefoot to be dug up, beheaded and thrown into the river. His end was worthy of such a beginning. He fell down drunk with a goblet of wine in his hands at a wedding feast at Lambeth, given in honour of the marriage of his standard bearer, a Dane named Toward the Proud, and he never spoke again. Edward afterwards, called by the monks the Confessor, succeeded, and his first act was to oblige his mother Emma, who had favoured him so little, to retire into the country where she died some ten years afterwards. He was the exiled prince whose brother Alfred had been so foully killed. He had been invited over from Normandy by Hardy Canute in the course of a short reign of two years and had been handsomely treated at court. His cause was now favoured by the powerful Earl Godwin and he was soon made king. 
This Earl had been suspected by the people ever since Prince Alfred's cruel death. He had even been tried in the last reign for the prince's murder, but had been pronounced not guilty. Chiefly, as it was supposed, because of a present he had made to the swinish king of a gilded ship with a figurehead of solid gold and a crew of eighty splendidly armed men. It was his interest to help the new king with his power. If the new king would help him against the popular distrust and hatred. So they made a bargain. Edward the Confessor got the throne, the Earl got more power and more land, and his daughter Editha was made queen. For it was a part of their compact that the king should take her for his wife. But, although she was a gentle lady, in all things worthy to be beloved, good, beautiful, sensible and kind, the king from the first neglected her. Her father and her six proud brothers, resenting this cold treatment, harassed the king greatly by exerting all their power to make him unpopular. Having lived so long in Normandy, he preferred the Normans to the English. He made a Norman archbishop and Norman bishops. His great officers and favourites were all Normans. He introduced the Norman fashions and the Norman language, in imitation of the state custom of Normandy. He attached a great seal to his state documents, instead of merely marking them, as the Saxon kings had done with a sign of the cross, just as poor people who had never been taught to write now made the same mark for their names. All this, the powerful Earl Godwin and his six proud sons represented to the people as disfavour shown towards the English, and thus they daily increased their own power and daily diminished the power of the king. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed it, please comment and please like it and subscribe. Please do let me know if there are certain tales from whichever part of the world you might be in that you would like me to read. Thank you.